winter's around the corner. Uh, the product that's coming in North America demands outstripping supply. The salt is coming in for, from currently from Africa, Latin America. It is a good time to be looking at the salt market, and that's why we're doing it. When you look at commodities and when you're looking at diversifying, uh, you should be buying products or services that you simply cannot do without, regardless if there's a recession or not. And salt is one of them. It is not sensitive to recessions. Welcome to another RTD interview. Today, I'm excited to have first-time guest, Mr. Rick LaBelle, the CEO of Atlas Salt. And Rick has over 40 years of experience in the mining sector, and he's also been in executive leadership roles for about 27 years. And today, he's joining us to share his thoughts on the economy, the mineral space, as well as his new role at Atlas Salt. So, Rick, welcome to RTD interviews. Thank you very much, Michael. I'm pleased to be here. Yes. Well, as I mentioned, thank you for joining me on such short notice, and uh, looking forward to finding out more about your background and how you've arrived at this point. And uh, more importantly, your new role at Atlas Salt. And so, as I mentioned before, we went on air. I had a uh, rolling on a couple of weeks ago, and we had a good discussion and had a great chance to introduce the salt mining space to the audience. So here we are now. Looking forward to getting your thoughts and uh, moving forward. But before we do that, for those who are not familiar with Rick, can you give us a little bit of your background and how you've arrived at this point in your career? Sure. Um, I'm a fourth generation miner, underground miner. The actually, my uh, two of my three girls are in mining also, um, so fifth generation. I've been involved with uh, most of the underground, if not all the underground mining companies in Canada in one form or another. Um, love the mining business, know it well. I certainly know how to build the mine uh, efficiently, um, on budget, on time. And um, yeah, no, it's, I'm just happy to be here to tell our story. So. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, once again, looking forward to find out more and getting your thoughts and experience because apparently you have a very extensive background and been able to do some good things in a short amount of time. So uh, looking forward to finding out more about that. But before we do that, I'd like to get your thoughts on the global macro picture. I uh, just I think it, it sets up well uh, into helping other people understand the importance of having a diversification uh, with their uh, investment portfolio. And so before we do that, I'm curious to get your thoughts from the CEO position now uh, on the macro economy. There's a lot of talk about what's happening in China. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on uh, where that might head as well as its impact on the mining space, because there are uh, some big players in the global mining sector. And so if you don't mind sharing with us some of your thoughts and where do you, how do you see this plan out? There's no doubt that uh, there is going to be a slowdown. Uh, we all know it's coming. China is a powerhouse when it comes to uh, finished products, uh, uh, but they are not a powerhouse when it comes um, uh, to commodities. So, um, and they've been a big buyer. If it was me, I, uh, and, and it's my opinion only, um, I would be careful when it comes to um, uh, base metals, so on and so forth. But, but there's, there's a flip side. Not all commodities are equal. Uh, for instance, um, uh, uranium, uh, salt, for instance, uh, those are products that, uh, that we cannot do without, regardless of what happens in China. So I think there is a sweet space in the commodity sector, um, but we are going to have to be careful uh, with some of the bulk products, um, coal, iron, base metals, so on and so forth. Now, I'm curious to get your thoughts, you know, beyond the things you just mentioned here. Overall, the current 
I guess, the at the current rate of, of the mining industry in general. Uh, are there any major challenges in the resource sector that you're, you know, keeping an eye on? Or, and how does how does government impact negatively or positively uh, those type of challenges, perhaps? Sure. So um, until recently, underground mining wasn't a um, sweet space for the younger generation. Our issue and our challenge has been we have not done a good job training and developing young people um, or indigenous or women. We just haven't done a good job and we have to step it up. So what I'm trying to get at is, uh, for instance, we, we, we have such a demand for, uh, for underground miners in Canada specifically, um, almost to the point where we're having a hard time replacing um, some of the more uh, experienced people. Um, so, so we have a challenge when it comes to, uh, to succession planning specifically. Um, in terms of government and their role, I guess they could help us. The, the, uh, and I'm referring to um, uh, trades specifically. Um, I don't believe any level of government is doing a good job in promoting um, the, 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 uh, the great opportunities in the uh, trade sector, such as uh, um, uh, electricians, uh, welders, uh, metal workers, um, so on and so forth. So they could help us um, on, on a training side. And, and certainly last and not least, um, they could partner with us and help us and facilitate um, on managing the gatekeepers um, in different areas such as uh, permits and so on and so forth. Um, if, if they could help us with those two sectors um, and, and that space, you know, training and helping us uh, uh, shepherd through uh, the permitting process, um, a private industry could, uh, uh, we can do the rest ourselves, to be honest with you. We don't need uh, that's and, and actually uh, government and, and it's key, you know, they, they do manage and they do control the infrastructure. So when it comes to power and roads or whatnot, uh, if we have all of those elements, um, we can build mines and we can build mines efficiently and on time. And that's what we're after. All right. Sounds good. Now, I'm curious to get your thoughts about, you know, say the succession for the, I guess, the younger generation and having more people to step up to the forefront uh, for the mining sector. Uh, and based upon what you're seeing now, how has or how will perhaps AI and uh, artificial intelligence and robotics and things like that, because I'm assuming you've, you've witnessed the, the, the use of it if, it, it's, if it's being used heavily now. Where do you see that and how can that help or hinder or what are your thoughts on that? Sure. So the younger, uh, um, the new uh, the new entrance into the workforce, they do have some skills that we can, uh, that we can leverage. Automation is here to stay. Um, we can now operate equipment um, thousands of miles away. We can operate equipment from surface, uh, the equipment underground actually, and uh, they're, they're joysticks. Uh, they're very much like a video game. Um, and, and they have skills that, that the older generation does not have. So, so the timing of bringing in and, and developing um, um, uh, the younger workforce is, is, is remarkable. So on, on the AI side, the, um, I, I think, I think uh, there's a whole different conversation, right? Uh, we're, we, <laughs> uh, we're going to have to be, uh, we're going to have to be uh, careful of that. The, the, uh, um, so when it comes to um, uh, metallurgy, 
um, uh, I believe that AI will be will do a tremendous work because there's so many variables. There's thousands of variables whenever you're processing a complex or through a mail circuit and AI will be valuable for that. Now I want to hit back on, um, because you mentioned China and I think that's going to be the, the information and how that further develops will definitely impact uh, more than just that region there. And so if I, I read somewhere about, uh, China having the only, I think it's a, um, lithium mine in North America. And so I'm assuming that's, it's, it's a very unique position for them to have. Is that, how do you think, what do you think about that and how would that play out? And is that beneficial for the Western hemisphere or, or what? Yeah. So yeah, there is one underground operating mine, uh, which, which I've been going to and visited and have serviced or been part of the engineering um, and the building of it actually since 1988, it's a huge mine. Uh, it, doesn't just have lithium it has other rare materials that are essential um, um, for batteries so on and so forth it is in canada and that's probably where you're leading it it was right. sold um, three or four years ago i don't know exactly when um, to a chinese owned company I, I i don't know how come it went through i don't have uh, those details other than to say that it went through uh, without any opposition whatsoever. So that's, mm. that, that is the fact, um, it's a, a very efficient mine, actually. It's, I don't think anybody can duplicate it at any time soon. So. Right. Right. Interesting. So I'll just leave that at that, but, uh, curious to get your thoughts. And then, of course we're going to get into Atlas just cause I want, I'm curious to get your thoughts and, and how exciting the news is. And so just for your average person here an audience wise, uh, heavy gold, silver, precious metals, individuals. And so just, you know, overall, and diversifying, you know, in this current environment, inflation has always been a concern, especially last year too. And so from your perspective, how important is it to, I guess, to be open and to explore different uh, sectors within it, whether it be minerals or uranium or salt yeah. or anything like that, as far as uh, just diversifying your, your, your portfolio? Sure. So, so for me, um, personally, what I'm doing is I'm sensitive to the fact that there is a slowdown. <clears throat> it, it's, it's around the corner. And I'm focused on products, um, uh, materials that we can't do without. And, and, and that's why I mentioned uranium. We just can't do without it, no, no matter what anybody says. Uh, and we can't do without salt uh, for the very same reason. The, the um, salt is not just salt. It's, uh, it's security. It makes our roads safe um, for, for our families, for our friends, uh, for our services, for our supply of of products and produce and whatnot. So I would, when I'm saying diversifying, it's not the total basket. I think we're going to have to be smarter. Uh, there are pending trade barriers coming up here. Um, it's going to happen sooner than later. And, uh, and, and choosing and picking the commodities you want to be. And all I would say is uh, when I'm buying, I'm looking at people that are uh, producing and supplying products that I cannot do without. And, and I think that's key. All right, right. I do agree. Products you can't do without. Now let's dive into Atlas Sod. And so I guess at this current point of your career, I guess what uh, led you to want to join Atlas Sod and, and how, ex I guess, exciting is it for the overall industry? Just the fact that you're, you know, I guess getting involved in something that's pretty big right now. Yeah. So I certainly wasn't looking for a job and, and, and I have to say that Atlas Salt, in my opinion, and you have to read the PEA uh, carefully and, and thoroughly, 
from my scoping, it's one of the most transform. Uh, it's a transformation uh, of an entire industry and sector and segment. What what, what this what this mine can and will do, and uh, and and in my eyes, uh, and and I've been doing it throughout my entire career. I don't do things for the sake of doing it. I only I do things because I think I can make a difference. And I can be part of a transformation, and that's why I'm here. It's 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 um, it's a real opportunity. It's in a good jurisdiction. Uh, it's going to be helpful for society, and and those are all things that matter for me. And last and certainly not least, you know, mining companies, for obvious reasons, we build mines and they operate for five or ten or fifteen years, and and we consider that a very long time. This is nothing like it. This is 30 years minimum. Um, so it's something that I want to put my stamp on. Interesting. Interesting. Thanks for sharing that. And another thing I noticed, uh, just, you know, public information, I guess, and your, your contract is structured a little differently based upon reading, reaching certain milestones or whatnot. So I guess that's something that's not too common uh, in this in, in the industry. So I guess how I guess beneficial is that for, you know, the overall space as well as how exciting is that to where, you got, you got to really step up to the plate and get some things done right away to really reap the rewards, I guess. Sure. So it's not common in um, most of the mining space. I, I agree with that. And it's not common in most of the public market space. Well, no, actually, I, maybe 50-50. But in the private equity space, and that's my background, it is common. If, if uh, So we have... Um, we are measured by our successes. You either meet them or you don't. If you don't meet them, you know, don't come crying to the trough. If you meet them, you get paid. And 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 I don't know what's happening. Um, I've noticed that some of the compensation packages are on 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 the softer side. You know, like if if, if you feel good and I feel good, we just pay each other. And I don't understand how that works. I actually. Uh, don't pay my investment advisor that way. But um, I, I believe in milestones um, and uh, clear milestones, measurable. And, and if they're met, then, then we don't need to talk about it. Let's just, let's just get paid and move on to the next milestone. And, and, and I've been doing that my entire career. And, and the chairman here was, uh, you know, he figured out really early what made me tick and, Right off the bat, we started talking about milestones, and it's that's that's why I'm here. It's worked out quite well. And when when people come on board to be part of this team, they're going to have a similar program. Milestones, you meet them or you don't meet them, and then and then we move on to the next one. So, right, understandable, understandable. So I'm curious to get your thought because you mentioned you know uranium and salt are two things that you know pretty much you're going to need or the world needs. And so I guess from a, I guess a, a strategic standpoint, uh, could you consider salt as a national security concern perhaps uh, to where how important it is and to make sure you have more than enough or just more than one season or, or cycle or, thing, or something like yeah. that? Yeah, that's a really good point, Michael. I, and I'm happy you brought it up and I, I actually, uh, so is it as sexy as uranium and, and uh, you know, it's, it's not at this stage, but, but it's a safety issue. I don't like to drive on roads that don't have salt. I, I want to know that I can get from A to B during the winter time, especially in Canada or northeastern USA. And, uh, and, and it's not a security 
reason nationally. I think it's a security reason personally uh, mm. uh, for each and every one of us. Uh, um, I don't leave my kids drive on the road that hasn't been salted during a winter storm. So, so, so I don't think we can do without it um, uh, unless we put electric cables underneath all the highways, but that's, that's not going to happen. So, so um, yeah, I personal security is where I would go with that. Right. All right. Fair enough. Now I'm curious to get your thoughts as far as, you know, the, the work ahead for you, you're going to be working with uh, Roland Howe, who I had on the show a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And I guess, give me, I guess, get some of your thoughts and some of the strategies perhaps that you guys are going to try to come together and try to really, really build things out there at Atlas Salt. Yeah. So, so I just personally met Roland a couple of months ago. That being said though, I've known about him for, for decades and of him and it's, and it's a, a, a very like it's a great reputation and 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 when i think of them i think of uh, um, the ever ready uh battery rabbit for lack of a better term he is an exceptional optimizer if you give him an asset if you if you allow him to to uh, to to work with the asset being underground mine conveyor belts crusher systems or whatnot he'll always find a way to make it run better and our job my job and that's my skill sets is is is, is to uh, um, bring in a team to build the mine and and our plan is um, uh, all together Roland's part of that uh, and 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 we're going to build a state-of-the-art mine and and Roland's going to have his fingerprints all over it and he's going to help us ensure that it's optimized uh, uh, as it should. Right. So as we draw towards the end, because uh, you kind of hinted at uh, the my next question was going to be about, you know, what it's, I guess, some of the strategies and game plans for uh, developing shareholder value. And so assuming developing a plan and things like that, anything else that you foresee in the next couple of weeks, months, as things that you're going to, you know, when you hit the ground running, things you're going to really try to implement to get things rolling there? Sure. So uh, for me, the, uh, the most important thing I can do in the next um, quarter is to bring in, um, the best team uh, possible for for this company. I, I, I uh, you know, I'm only a person, and Roland's just another person. We we need a team uh, that have demonstrated, um, and 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 that we can count on to build the best, lowest co cost, highest productive mine in North America, and that's what we have to do. We we've uh, we've highlighted. We've we've. We, we believe we'll be able to put in a team here um, in very short order. Sounds good. Sounds good. So, Rick, once again, I thank you for joining us on RTD and give us an update on what's happening at Atlas Salt. And so, of course, I'll have information down below, atlassalt.com, as well as the ticker symbol, things like that. Anything you want to leave us with before we sign off? Anything else I forgot to mention that's you know worth uh, mentioning to the audience or anything like that? Well, my little pitch is, yeah, there's two things. We have a feasibility study that's coming around the corner. And um, you need to look at it. You need to review it, and uh, the numbers will speak for themselves. Um, and uh, I, so I'm strongly suggesting that you look at the feasibility study. There's enough detail there that will help you make a decision um, on if you um, want to buy into uh, the story or not. And it's very interesting. So that's number one. Two is winter's around the corner. Um, uh, the product that's coming in North America, supply is below what demand is. So demand's outstripping supply. The salt is coming in for, from currently from Africa, Latin America. It is 
a good time um, to be looking at uh, the salt market, and that's why we're doing it. Uh, it's entirely up to you. Uh, it's only my opinion, but I, when you look at commodities and when you're looking at diversifying, uh, you should be buying products or services that you simply cannot do without, regardless if there's a recession or not. And salt is one of them. It is not sensitive to recessions. So I'll leave it at that. All right. Well, Rick LaBelle, CEO of Atlas Salt, thank you for joining us on the RTD and definitely looking forward to following progress there and hopefully have you on in a couple months and see where we're at at that point. But uh, good luck and uh, definitely we'll be following your progress there. So thanks for joining us on RTD interviews. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate it.